Hello, hello. Welcome to the show. I'm Joy Dooling, and you are listening to the Joy of Membership podcast. This podcast is for membership leaders. So we talk about strategies for attracting, engaging, and retaining members. But that's not entirely the focus of the show, because let's be honest here, there is no shortage of advice out there on best practices in membership. What we need to talk about is how to actually make those things possible in the real world, how to be absolutely sure that growth practices are going to stick, how to make those things easier, more consistent, and even automatic in some cases. Sound good? Then stick around because we're about to jump into it. Hey there, Joy Dooling here, host of the Joy of Membership podcast. Welcome to this week's episode. Are your members quick to join, ready to engage, and eager to renew? If not, let's see what's going on and how to fix that. The best place to start is with the Member Experience Scorecard. With this one simple tool, you'll be able to see exactly where you have gaps that we should fill and strengths that you can build on. The download is free and you'll have insights in less than 10 minutes. You can download your copy right now at joyofmembership.com scorecard. Okay, if you're driving, maybe not right now, but when you get back to your desk. With no further ado, let's hop into the show. Have you ever met someone who had a different frame for talking about something and it just made things in your brain click together in a slightly different way? That's the experience that I had when I started talking with Jess Cooper. So I asked her to share her model with all of you during today's conversation. Jess is a nonprofit executive director turned nonprofit health advocate, and you're going to hear more about that. She has worked for and with nonprofits from health-related organizations to sports organizations. Most recently, Jess worked with USA Swimming to assist its 59 regional governing bodies during the pandemic with crisis management. As you will hear today, Jess is passionate about creating healthier nonprofit environments, and I think she's really going to give you something to think about in this episode. Hey, Jess, I'm so glad you could be with us here today. Thanks, Joy. I'm so excited to be here with you. Okay, so why don't we start with you sharing with everyone who you are and who you help? Sure. I am what I like to say a former nonprofit executive director turned nonprofit health advocate and consultant. So I support practices that help strengthen nonprofit organizations and guide leaders through the process of establishing healthier habits. I've played all the roles in a membership organization. I've been the member, the volunteer, the staff, and also a consultant. So I bring a lot of different perspectives and insights into my role, especially working with various membership organizations and other nonprofits. So when I first heard what you do, I thought that you were like a healthcare consultant that worked with nonprofit employees to make them healthier. But you have this 
really interesting angle on the nonprofit itself being healthy. So can you um, talk Mm -hmm. to us a little bit about what that approach is and what you mean by nonprofit health? Yeah, absolutely. So wellness is something we can all relate to, right? We all view our own health and wellness in a different way, but we know that everything is connected. You know, thinking about holistic health, our mental well-being, our physical well-being, all of these different parts of us have to work together for us to function at our highest capacity. And that also applies to our nonprofit bodies. The better we can nurture and understand our nonprofit bodies and understand our functions and how they work together, the stronger we are. So last year I had noticed when working with clients that each nonprofit was facing some external factor, the pandemic, in all very different states of organizational wellness. So the ones that already had healthy organizational habits and practice were in a much better place to communicate and serve members, have money in reserves, et cetera. Their proactive practices made them more agile and flexible when the unexpected hit. And then those that had the broken systems really struggled more to move out of a reactive state. So their recovery is taking a little bit longer because they weren't making their organizational health a priority before they got sick. The same way we practice our own health. You know, we want to be proactive in our health. So when unexpected things hit or when we recognize pain points, we're more able to identify what the issue is and be proactive in how our treatment looks for our ourselves. And we want to do the same thing with our nonprofit bodies. So can you talk a little bit about the nonprofit body? Because you actually had mm. a really neat concept of different body parts and how they work together. Yes. Can you share that? Yeah. So whenever I think of the nonprofit body, I think of five different parts with a different main function, but they all have to work together and they're all connected in some way. So I see the heart as the mission of our organization. So this is the lifeblood of our body. It's literally giving life to every part of our organization. And then we have the head, which is the board. It plays a strategic role in providing direction for the rest of the body. And important to note here is that the board and the hands, though they work together, they have different functions. The hands of your staff and committees, they are carrying out the management and the day-to-day actions of the organization. That's different than your board that is hopefully governing and, and playing more of that strategic role. And then we have the feet, which are the members or the clients of your organization. So they're at the base of the organization and they have the ability to improve the posture of your nonprofit body in the community and and provide some balance. And we want our feet to be able to move forward to spread the message of our nonprofit body out into the world. And then finally, we have the connective tissue, which is the culture of your organization. So this is what protects and supports all parts of the nonprofit body. So though it connects all parts, every part is still connected in some way. And we can talk a little bit more specifically about how the feet, the members specifically, are connected to each part of the body. Well, it's such a neat concept. I love hearing you describe it because it makes so much sense. Yeah, and that's the thing is, All of this information is out there. We've heard so many things about our organizations and best practices, but sometimes it just takes a different perspective. Just calling something 
a different name or looking at it based on some metaphor or analogy that we can all relate to in a very simple way. And like I said earlier, health and wellness is something we can all relate to. And it looks different for each one of us, just the same as it looks different for every nonprofit body, because every nonprofit body has different strengths and different weaknesses, different backgrounds, and all of those things impact where they're headed with their organization, the same way our backgrounds and our experiences impact where we're headed as individuals. So hopefully we can start making all of those connections when looking at our nonprofit bodies. I think one of the things that I love the most about it is that membership leaders are always looking for, you know, ways to frame conversations at the board level. So is there a new way that we can talk about this problem that could perhaps spark some creative thinking? So I see this as being one of those frames that would work very well to have a board discussion around. Of all of the parts of the nonprofit body, the governance aspect, working with the head of the organization is probably one of my favorite things. I know that can be one of the more dull or mundane uh, topics of all of the parts of the body, but it's something that I really love. And I just feel it's so important for us to, to get out of our old habits. You know, when we think about treating our health, we wouldn't treat our bodies the same way we would decades ago with the same practices. We grow, we evolve, practices advance, and we want to take advantage of that. And we want to do that in our organizations too. We want to leave that reactionary state and take a more proactive approach with the health of our organizations. And oftentimes that's looking not just at what our pain points are right now, but looking at our history. For younger organizations, I encourage them to look in one-year increments up to three or four years to identify how long has this pain point existed in your organization? You know, we have to name and understand what these things are for ever going to treat them and heal them. And for more mature organizations, looking back in five-year increments, or maybe with your term limits, your leadership term limits, what existed and how long has it been there? So we can, like I said, treat it and then understand what those triggers are when they surface in the future. Saying, oh, this was one of those practices from a couple years ago. We realized that's why we're having this issue now. Let's be proactive in the way that we're treating it and take our new approach. We're leaving that behind. We don't need that anymore. That doesn't serve us. Let's move forward. And I think we all play a part in that. Board leaders, staff members, volunteers, committee members, we all play a part in strengthening the health of our organization. When one part is strengthened, we notice that other parts are often strengthened. When one part is weaker, other parts become weaker because we're overcompensating for the weaker part of our body. So we just want stronger, healthier nonprofits all around is what I think. So as you've been sharing this concept um, with nonprofits, with your clients, have you come across any good examples of success stories, organizations that have embraced this model and what it's meant for them? Sure. So two I can think of specifically, one is a national organization I work with, and they have almost 60 regional governing bodies all across the United States. So what I saw with them was they were able to strengthen the the function of the hands to be able to reach the nonprofits at the base of the organization, these regional organizations better by improving their customer service. We may not think about customer service so much in the nonprofit world, but we should be customer service experts, especially when working with 
our members and those that we're serving. They had decided during the pandemic to increase their communication with weekly calls with their regional leaders. And this type of communication, this touch point, so I know some organizations may struggle with this. Think about reaching for your toes. Some bodies are really good at that and other bodies really struggle to get anywhere close. We want our nonprofit bodies to be so flexible that their hands, their staff and committee members are able to easily reach their feet, their base, their organization, their members. And a lot of that is with communication. So these calls provided a lot of one-way communication that helped provide clarity on action steps that the national organization was taking Even though there wasn't certainty within that that space with the pandemic, they were able to provide some information on, hey, here is what we are doing right now. And that was so appreciated, just being kept in the loop, being able to understand they weren't alone. The silence can oftentimes create uncertainty and even distrust in some organizations. So the more we're able to communicate something, the, the more information our members have and understanding the value they're still receiving even when services aren't what they were pre-pandemic. And this also offers an opportunity for two-way communication with the leaders. So this helps the leaders understand better some of the concerns that are happening at the member level regionally. And I think this is important because it's so often easy for board members, especially to get stuck on, this is what we think we know. So like our perception of what we think the need is or what the problem is without really understanding the reality of the member experience. So opening up that two-way communication with these regularly scheduled calls, and these are continuing now, and I think they will continue even after the pandemic has hopefully passed us. I believe this practice will continue because we've started to see the value in providing that type of communication regularly. Yeah, I Um, think if there's anything positive that came out of the pandemic, Mm -hmm. it really shook up the way a lot of organizations relate to their members and communicate with their members. Absolutely. And and I think it showed some organizations that they didn't have a means for communicating. Where do we even reach our members? And, And depending on the demographic of your organization, that can look very different. Do they show up on social media? Do you reach them by email? And for some, when they're trying to figure that out, You may not get a response rate right away because it's something new when you just start initiating communication. And some organizations I see give up way too early without waiting to see what that response looks like to tweak things rather than just give up completely. So for those organizations that are still trying to figure out what do we do next, start where you are. Just begin communicating, finding out where everyone is showing up and put something out there. It doesn't have to be perfect, but start somewhere. Your members just want to hear from you. And I I think that helps increase their investment in your organization and what you have to offer them. That was a terrific example. Did you say you had another one? Yeah. So the other one I was thinking about was we're thinking about the heart of our organization. So the mission of our organization, oftentimes we think about it just in terms of what do we do? without realizing that your mission is actually a guide for what you do. It's not a list of things you do. And this is important, not just at your strategic level, your organization as a whole, but also within your committees and your staff members. It creates 
a little bit more engagement and it helps the activation of your committees. So this one committee I worked with recently, their committee mission statement is a part of every agenda. So everyone's very familiar with it. And every year at their annual committee planning meeting, they review the mission statement, both for accuracy and continued direction. And this year we got in a discussion about what that mission really looked like this past year. We saw okay, is this really who we're serving? It was, again, one of those things where we're listing everything we do and all the people we think we're touching without being really specific. So this conversation was fantastic. It quickly shifted from a discussion of semantics, which we get stuck in often when looking at mission statements. And it turned into this concise emotional statement that we wouldn't have realized if we hadn't asked our new members on the committee why are you here? What made you want to be part of this committee specifically? And how do you view us? And it gave us that external perspective to realize, oh, there's emotion here. Like you want to be part of something bigger. And that helped us get out of the the train of thought of, oh, this is exactly what we do. This is everyone we think we serve. And it got us really specific and landed on a very powerful, meaningful mission statement for this committee specifically. And I think we want to do that not only at the the top organization level, but within our committees and team members to help provide more value internally for what we're able to offer externally to our members. Well, Jess, this has been so interesting. I love this analogy. And I know that it's going to inspire a lot of people who are listening. Their wheels are going to be spinning in their head of how to apply this analogy to their own organization. If people want to connect with you and they want to learn more about this, um, what's the best way for them to do that? Sure. I can be reached via email, Jess at JessCooperConsulting.com. I also have a website, JessCooperConsulting.com, and then all the social media sites. So you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and there's information to an online course that goes through nonprofit wellness. It's a five-week course that goes through all five parts of the nonprofit body and offers some practical steps and resources for improving the health of each part of your organization. Perfect. We'll make sure that we get links in the show notes for all of those. Fantastic. Thank you so much for having me here, Joy. And I wouldn't be surprised if you and your listeners start thinking about all of the different analogies and metaphors for their nonprofit body compared to what their health is like. I find myself doing that all the time now. And it's kind of endless. (laughs) Thank you. This has been a delight, Jess. Thanks, Joy. Joy here, back with a few thoughts about this week's episode. You know, I love a great analogy. Sometimes simply giving the brain enough of a split away from the usual way of thinking about a topic is enough to spark a breakthrough idea. It has almost become a fun game for me to come up with creative analogies to use during strategy sessions with clients. For example, instead of talking about the traditional SWOT analysis, where you go through your strengths and weaknesses, opportunities and threats, I might have a board share about helium balloons that lift them up and anchors that hold them down. Instead of talking about successes, I might have them create a magazine cover with key headlines and a big image on front. 
perhaps that sounds a bit silly, but often it's just enough to shake loose some new ideas and aha moments. I think that's what Jess Cooper did on this week's podcast. Her analogy of an organization being like the human body with distinct body parts and functions and with a need for us to proactively take care of its health before a crisis occurs was exactly the same thing for me. It's a different frame for something that really does require thoughtful attention. That's all for this week's episode. I will see you back here next week. And in the meantime, may your organization stay healthy and you take care. Hey there, you made it all the way to the end. Bravo to you. I'm back in just one last time to remind you that there's a free one-page PDF available over at the website that shows you more than 20 ways that technology could be supporting your efforts to attract, engage, and retain more members. It's actually broken down into the stages of the member journey, so you'll know exactly where each piece fits. And everything that's on that one pager can actually be automatically done for you with software that costs less than $1,000 per year. So if you haven't already grabbed it, you can get your copy at joyofmembership.com slash tech, joyofmembership.com slash tech, T-E-C-H. Have a great week and I'll see you next time.